This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. All right, well, we've been in this series called Come Holy Spirit. We kicked this off about three weeks ago. And really, it's been my desire as a pastor in this church to help us better engage with God through the life of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an entity. He's not a mystical force. He's not an energy. He's a person. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And that's good news, that God himself, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, actually wants a relationship with us. So much so that he's willing to invest himself in us. He's willing to send us his Holy Spirit, so that his Holy Spirit can come and live in you and me. And I made the statement the first week that rather than you and I live our life for God, it's time for us to start allowing God to live his life in us. Many of us go through life trying to live for God, and we fail miserably at it, and we get frustrated, and then we wonder why. Because we've been trying to live our life for God When God's never asked us to do that, he's called us to yield to the life of his Holy Spirit so that he can live his life, his all-consuming, amazing, glorious life in and through us. And he does so through the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. That's how he brings forth fruit. That's how he builds character. That's how he guides us. That's how he convicts us. That's how he leads us into righteousness. And last week we talked about having an awareness of God's righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that you and I, those of us who have put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, are now the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. And that's great news because that's not who I was. Anybody else feel me on that? Anybody else of you have a crooked past? Woo! I don't know if we should be excited about that, but... The truth is, Romans tells us, Romans 5 tells us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have a crooked past. Regardless of whether we were born that way or not, we all came out and we've all made decisions and things that are against and short of the glory of God, the mark of God, God's perfect standard, his perfection, his holiness, his righteousness. And God being a loving father would know that you and I would struggle with that. And so rather than leave us alone, rather than remain distant, he actually comes into the earth through the person of his son, Jesus, to take on our sins and to take on our shame and to take on our guilt and to take on our condemnation so that we can be free of all guilt, shame, and condemnation. It says this, that there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but that's a really encouraging thing because there's times where, where I feel condemned and Jesus says, you're not condemned. I don't condemn you. Where, where, where are those that condemn you? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our life, not just to make us feel bad about our sins and to make us feel bad about who we were, but to actually bring an awareness of who we now are in him. This righteousness awareness. And this isn't the modus operandi for most of us. This isn't what our natural minds are prone to do, is to think that we're righteous, We have no problem thinking that we're shameful and wicked and sinful. And it's easy to play that card, I'm so unworthy and woe is me. Because that's the natural operating standpoint of the heart. But you know what? Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to send you rather a helper, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit's going to come and he's not only going to help you, he's going to convict you of your sin, but he's then going to convict you of your righteousness so that you can know who you really are now in Christ Jesus, whether you feel like it or not. And there are days, and I made the comment last week, there's days where I don't feel very righteous, guys. I don't wake up feeling super empowered. I don't feel like I've got the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ in me. But you know what? It doesn't change the facts about me. And it doesn't change the facts about you. And that's the good news that I really want us to lean into over these few weeks that we have as we're asking the Holy Spirit to come, as we're singing songs that invite the Holy Spirit to come, really what we're asking is, Holy Spirit, work in our life. Make your power manifest in our life. Reveal to us through your word, your perfect word, who we really are. Show us the version of ourself that is more true than the version of ourself that we actually believe. 
a lot of times we have a lesser view of who we are and it's not the view that God has of us. God looks at us now through the blood of his son, Jesus. And it says that we were cleansed once and for all from all sins, from all unrighteousness and iniquity. Once and for all, not over and over and over. That means I don't have to keep confessing my sin to Jesus each and every day, every time I mess up. For some of you, you're like, what? No, you, are, you confess your sins so that you can be forgiven once and for all. But you know why you confess your sins to others? So that you can be healed. And John tells us this, confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. A lot of times we've, we are, are forgiven, but we're not healed. And we wonder why. And we focus on trying to confess our sins to God. God, I messed up again. 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 God, I messed up God's like, I got it. <laughs> I know. You don't have to tell me that. I already took care of that on the cross. That's the good news. I think it's better than we really understand. And for many of us, we've bought into a religious mindset which tells us we have to continue to grovel for it. We have to continue to ask for it. We have to continue to do something for it. And we have to continue to do this perpetually over and 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 over. And then we wonder why we're never free. And then we wonder why our lives aren't transformed. Then we wonder why we're still struggling. Because our focus is on our sin, because our focus is on our past, because our focus may even be on what's currently ensnaring us or entangling us. When what Jesus wants for you and for me is for us to put our focus, our attention on Christ Jesus and his perfection and his righteousness and his glory and his love and his mercy and his grace. And when you begin to wake up with that consciousness, you will sin less, I promise you. You will begin to focus less on the things that you think you need to tell God, and you'll begin to focus on the things that God is already telling you. The things that God is saying about you, you are redeemed. I've purchased you with my blood. I've, I've ransomed you, is what it says. And there's nothing that can take you out of my hand. No height, no depth, no angel, no principality. There's nothing that could separate you from me and the love that I have for you. If that's true, why do we live like it's not true? Because we're still living with a sin consciousness rather than a righteousness awareness. And some of you think, well, if I can just get to that place where my life will be perfect and I, I've kicked every addiction to the curb and I've got my act together and I, I'm doing great, then I'll really be righteous. And Jesus says to you, if you have placed your faith in me and in the faith, and if you've placed your faith in the work that I've done for you on that cross, you are my righteousness. Done. Settled. Once and for all. And Hebrews 10 actually tells us and, and, and reveals this reality to us that because of Jesus, because of the work of his, his, his shedding his own blood and his going to the cross, he's now made a new and a living way through the curtain, which has now been ripped or rent, so that you and I could have access to God. So that you and I could come not just freely, but boldly. And you know who comes boldly? before an all-consuming, amazing God? You know who comes boldly before a holy God? People that know they've been forgiven. People that know they are his righteousness. You see, if I didn't know that I was the righteousness of God in Christ, I might not come boldly before God in worship. I might want to just kind of like tiptoe in because I'm afraid, you know? Maybe there's something in my heart or my life. Maybe, maybe there was a sin I committed or a sin I omitted or something I did that I, I wasn't aware of that maybe God will judge me over or, or, or hammer me over the head with. But that's not what he does. He says, I've flung the gates so wide because of my son. Once and for all, the sacrifice that he's made to take away your sins and my sins. I've flung the door so wide so that you can come running in boldly like a child. You know, I love my kids, and I love when they come barging into my room, and they just throw themselves up on my lap. Now, they're getting older, so I'm not so cool, and they don't do that as much as they used to, but when they were like three and four and five years old, they used to run in, and they'd be like, Daddy, 
ahead. You want to watch something with me? You want to go? Can we go to play something? Can we put something together? Like, yeah, come on. And they jump up on my lap and they bring their little book and they bring their little Legos or whatever it is they're doing. And they're just excited. You know why? Because they don't have shame. Because they don't have guilt. Because they haven't been told yet how horrible they are. Because they haven't been told and conditioned to think with a sin consciousness. We've tried really hard. We're not perfect parents by any means. We're far from it. But Candace and I have tried really hard to speak life over our kids and to tell our kids what God thinks about them. And I want to say this. God wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to tell you what he thinks about you. And guess what? Through his word, he already has. So today, that was my introduction. <laughs> so today, we're going to really lean into this because I believe in God's word, the Holy Spirit wants to work through his spirit and through his truth. I believe he wants to illuminate some things for us to help us with this. It's not us saying, come Holy Spirit, so that we can have the warm, fuzzy tingles. It's come Holy Spirit so that you can work in and through my life so that I can know who I am, so that I can walk out and be the courageous person, the woman or man of God that you've called me to be, so I can kick fear in the face and have a reason to stand up and declare truth over my life and over others. So let's do this. Let's pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Father, thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be a courageous people. And we're only courageous because of your work because of your son and because of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come now. Come like a flood. Reign in us and through us. Show us who we really are through your word. Lord, we believe your word is truth. Your word is life. Illuminate the dark places and shine bright light into it so that we can walk out of here changed today. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Picking up with our primary text today, go with me to John chapter 16. As a quick review, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, and then we're going to pick up with our primary verses today, 12 through 13. John chapter 16, verse 7, I'll be reading from the ESV. It should be on the screen for you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, will not come to you. But if I go... If I leave, if you see my body no more, I will send him to you. I will send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We talked about this last week. Concerning sin because the world doesn't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I'm going to go to the Father and you, my disciples, will no longer see me. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world, the devil, has already been judged. Continue in verse 12 through 13 today. I still have many things to say to you, but you're not ready for them yet. I love that. Verse 13, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Today I want to look at the Holy Spirit as our truth guide. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the convictor is also our truth guide. He wants to lead us into all truth. And let's face it, we live in a day and age now where the idea of truth or an absolute or even a perfect standard has come under attack. The influence and powers of relativism and pluralism and postmodernism, whatever you want to call it, have created an atmosphere in our world, in our society, that's hostile toward the truth. And we glorify subjectivity and openness in the name of tolerance. You know, let's just all be tolerant and kind and, and loving and, and let's all get along. But then we cry foul when someone espouses a belief that infringes upon ours then we're not very tolerant of other people. And we see this influence and this mindset play out in the media. We see it in the entertainment world. We see it in particularly when celebrities say things like, I'm just going to live my truth. And with that attitude, we begin, to see, we begin to see this kind of, I call it a disdain, emerge towards people that believe differently than us 
and, and perhaps believe something that's considered old-fashioned or even antiquated. You can't really believe there's a God, can you? You can't really believe there's actual real truth and that truth can be known, can you? And the more educated we become and the more we convince ourselves, the more we begin to sort of lift our noses and, and sort of puff up in pride and knowledge that we've somehow arrived, that we're somehow more educated or better than the rest. And ironically, the same crowd that's, that seeks to disclose their truths using science and logic and even the art of deduction will, will use these things as a way to back their claims. And they deduce that you're wrong and that I'm right. And what does that mean? In a culture that no longer has a standard of truth, what does it mean to be right? What does it mean for you to be wrong? And we say things like, you can't legislate morality. And then we pass speed limits in school zones so that our kids don't get ran over. And then we, we, we pass laws to restrict the drinking age. And we say things like, but you can't really legislate morality. No, 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 my friends, you can. The question is, whose morality are you legislating? Whose morality are we legislating? Listen, I'm thankful for the legislation of morality. I'm thankful that in my kid's school zone, it says 20 miles per hour, not 65, right? And there's a reason why that, because I love my children and I honor and want to preserve life. That's called being a person of morals. That's a morality. Same thing with, with, with drinking and smoking. There's a reason why we don't pass out cigarettes to 10-year-olds. Hello? The question is, whose morality are we legislating? And what standard are we basing it on? How, how are we deriving our ethics? How do we know what is right or wrong? I believe we need the truth. Pontius Pilate famously asked this question to Jesus. He said, what is truth? What is truth? John chapter 18, verse 37. Then Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Are you ready for it? This is a big statement by Jesus, by the way. Jesus is giving his purpose statement. He's giving his mission statement. Are you ready for it? Here it is. To bear witness to the truth. Jesus came into this world not just to destroy the works of the enemy, although that's true, not just to reign over sin and death, although that's also true, but his purpose for coming is to bear witness, is to testify to the reality of truth. He goes on to say this, everyone who is of the truth will actually hear my voice. And then Pilate famously said to Jesus, what is truth? What is it? It's interesting to me that Jesus says the purpose for which he was born was to come into the world to bear witness to the truth. He didn't say my truth. He said the truth. And the word for truth used here in the Greek language is the word aletheia. And it means that which is right in any matter under consideration. I'm gonna say it again because I like definitions. That which is right in any matter under consideration. Here Jesus is being put on trial for a crime he didn't commit. And he's being handed over to Pilate for cross-examination. And Pilate is considering and he's weighing the facts. He's weighing the matter under consideration. And you know what Pilate discovers? There's no fault in Jesus. He actually looks at Jesus' life and Jesus' testimony about himself and he says, I find no guilt in this man. I find no fault in Jesus. And he tells the Jews this in verse 38. I find no guilt in him. Out of a Gentile man comes a truth statement about Jesus. Because, and it is true, there was no guilt and no fault in Jesus. All right, he was accused of blasphemy, which was the highest crime that you could commit in, in that Jewish culture and world for claiming equality with God. That's ultimately what sent Jesus to the cross. It wasn't his miracles. It wasn't his teachings. It wasn't his feeding the poor. It wasn't the way that he loved sinners and hung out with tax collectors. And, and no, it was, it was the fact that he claimed equality with God when he used the words, I am. When he said, I am, and, and just as Abraham had said it about who God is, 
Jesus says, I am. And as a result, they picked up stones ready to, ready to kill him right then and there. So Jesus is being tried for a statement. A truth statement is, is what got Jesus on the murder trial. When we look at his whole life, we think it's all the other stuff. But the one thing that said, we're ready to stone him right now. We're ready to kill him right now. The one thing that he was, that he was accused of was blasphemy. And you know what? For many of us today, we, have, we need to make up our mind about what we believe about Jesus. Because like C.S. Lewis said, he can either be Lord, lunatic, or liar, but he can't be anything else. He can't be just a good moral teacher. All right? A good moral teacher doesn't say things like, I am God. <laughs> All right? And so here he is before Pilate, before the judge. And the judge is considering the evidence. And he goes, I don't see anything wrong with him. Now, whether Pilate had a revelation or, or fully understood what he was saying, the reality is, is that his mouth still spoke forth a statement of truth. And I believe that even those that are outsiders, that aren't Christians, that aren't even believers, can come into alignment with this reality. They can recognize truth as being all of God's. How do I know this? Because God has actually written his moral truth or law upon our hearts and conscience. Romans chapter 2 verse 15 says it this way. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. There it is. And their conflicting thoughts either accuse or even excuse them. All right, it's even more interesting to me that Jesus goes on to say something that I think is even more radical than the first statement. He says this in John chapter 16. Everyone, no, I'm sorry, in John 18, he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now he begins to qualify it. He says this, this truth statement, I've come into the world so that you would know and have a relationship with truth. And everyone who is of truth will hear my voice. Will hear my voice. So how does God want us to have a relationship with truth? How does he want you and I to know what is true? By listening. By learning to lean in and to listen. To hear. Verse 13, John chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you and I, the church, things that are to come. I love the connection that Jesus is making here for us between listening and knowing. Knowing and listening. And I love that even the Holy Spirit is listening for the voice of the Father, right? The Holy Spirit does not speak on his own account, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Jesus said the same thing. He says, I only speak what I hear the Father say. I only do what I, what I see the Father doing. It's this beautiful relationship with God the Father that opens us up to the reality of hearing truth, knowing truth. And it happens through listening. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And so the key point that I want to make to us today is this, and it's simple. In order to know truth, we need to hear truth. In order to know truth, we need to hear it. It is for this reason that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help us as our truth guide by teaching us how to listen. I believe probably the greatest battle that you and I face in the world today is over what voices we're listening to. What are you listening to? What are you hearing? From phone calls to text messages to sound bites to the media to the news to all those pesky Bloomberg ads that took over your life there for about 48 hours. Come on. What are we listening to? What are we hearing? fact is we have all these voices in our life each and every day and maybe it's not the news maybe it's not the media maybe it's not 
Bloomberg's ads, but maybe it's your kids for you parents. You got all these little voices. I have three competing for my life, competing for that same little small space in my head. Daddy, I want to tell you this. Sometimes it's not so nice, though. Sometimes it's, he, he hurt me. She did this. She did that. No, he started it. No, he started it. It's like, ah, oh, enough. Figure it out. <laughs> we have all these voices. Am I right, parents? And with kids as in life, I believe it's important that we ask ourselves that question. What are we listening to? What are we hearing? See, I believe that these voices are either speaking one of two things. They're speaking truth or they're speaking lies. Boy, that sounds a little black and white. It is. The voices in our life are speaking one of two things, not both, not with shades of gray. They're either speaking the truth or they're speaking a lie. And you go, well, maybe that wasn't the full truth. Maybe it was just a little a bend of the truth. Maybe it was a little distortion, just a little white lie, not a big deal. No, it's either the truth or lies in whatever form it becomes packaged in. These voices are speaking truth or they're speaking lies. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life to help us to discern the difference, to know the difference, and to have a relationship with the truth. So how do we do this? How do, how do we actually practically live this out? Because this all sounds like an ought-to sermon so far. I'm with you. I'm tracking. I'm going to give you a little how-to. Is that okay today? Can I make it practical for you today? Can I give you something that you can actually apply in your life when you leave here today that you'll be so excited that you'll want to tell somebody else about that you'll, you'll actually rave and rant about the podcast and share it on your Facebook page? I'm just kidding. But you can if you want to. How do we do this? How do we, what I'm really asking is how do we follow our guide? How do we follow our truth guide? Earlier this week, I was watching this documentary about whitewater rafting. I know, random. And this guy was in like Victoria Falls. I think it's in South Africa. And he was doing a documentary on the river and life on the river and how crazy the rapids are and how deceivingly crazy they are. And he wasn't going to go down by himself because he needed a guide. And the guide, the role of the guide was to actually go before the film crew and the documentarian, the guy who was narrating it and filming it and talking about it, to make sure that the team after him were going to follow and match his line perfectly. Why? Because the guide knew where all the rocks were. The guide knew where all the holes were. The guide knew where all the debris and the trees and the fallen branches were. He knew exactly what it was going to take to get them down the river safely. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do the same. He wants to be our truth guide so that he can go before us to show us how we can get down the river safely. How we can navigate all of the lies and distractions and things that the enemy throws at us and the world throws at us to try to get us off course, to try to bring us under, to try to cause us to tip over and drown. That's not what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants to guide us into all truth. So I want to say this. We need to follow our guide. We need to follow our guide, okay? We need to follow what the Word of God says because the Word of God is our perfect guide. But the Holy Spirit comes to illuminate what's in the Word of God so that it can be a living presence in your life. Are you with me? So how do we follow our guide? Number one, here it is, we read truth. God's word, the Bible, we would call it, the Holy Scriptures, whatever you feel comfortable with, is alive and active. It actually has a living voice. And when we read it, it speaks to our hearts. It points us to the truth. It helps direct us. It shows us what is true about who God is, and it shows us what is true about us, like we talked about in the beginning. It is our standard. It's our measuring tool. And it's always relevant. Forever, it was relevant 2,000 years ago. And it's relevant today. Regardless of what anybody says about it, it is without out error in all that it teaches. And it is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. And the Holy Spirit comes to confirm its voice in our life. As Orthodox biblical Christians, we believe this, okay? We profess this. Psalm 119 says it this way, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is a lamp and a light. 
It shows us who we really are. It shows us where we're going. How many of you love stubbing your toe in the dark? All right, my kids leave out their Legos sometimes. And when I go out to get maybe something to drink and I have to walk downstairs and the lights are off and I step on those things, it doesn't feel too good. And it's because I didn't have the light on that I stepped on that thing. Or I, you maybe you stub your toe on your bedpost. You got one of those sharp bedposts, wooden with like a big knob or maybe just a real vicious corner. And you kick your feet on it and then you say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> no, that's not what you say? Oh, okay, okay. You need a light. You need a lamp. In the same way God's word, the Bible, wants to be our lamp. It wants to be our light. It wants to show us where we're going. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes God's word and he illuminates it, meaning he reveals it to us. He recalls it. He brings it to the forefront of our mind so that we know where we're going, so that we don't, like I said earlier, get pulled off course, fall into things that are traps, hurt ourselves. The Holy Spirit is our truth guide. He helps us. And I'll say this, practically, there are some amazing apps today that you can download on your phone. And for you ladies, I recommend one called She Reads Truth. I think it's a fantastic devotional. The whole point of it is to help us develop rhythms of reading God's word, of, number one, reading truth. For you men, they actually have one called He Reads Truth now which is cool. There are so many amazing apps and things to help us develop this rhythm. And, and I'll be honest, guys, I, I don't read the Bible every day. I wish I did. There's times where I just don't. I forget or I, I have stuff to do and I forget. But I'll say this, I feel out of it when I don't. I feel like out of sync. Anybody else relate to that? You just, your life just kind of has a way of unraveling, doesn't it? You just kind of feel like you're, you're moving, but you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> it's like you're in motion, but you're actually not moving forward. That's kind of like how it feels when, when I actually don't get in the word. And reading truth is allowing the Holy Spirit to do something in me daily that I can't do apart from him. And a lot of us, we try to go through life apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. That's not what he wants for us. So we read truth, number one. And number two, we listen for truth. We've kind of already touched on this a little bit. And we spoke on this during our series, The Seven, about how much of our prayer life shouldn't just consist of telling God what we want him to hear. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to start moving into prayer as listening, carving out time to hear God's voice. So you know what I do? I take about three to five minutes and I just sort of vomit all over God. I just tell him everything that's wrong, everything I think that's right. I just go, I just get it all out. That's kind of a grotesque picture. But that's kind of what it is. And you know what? He's a good dad. He can handle it. But once I get all of my cares and my worries and my fears and anxieties, come on, you know you do too. You have them too. Once you get that all out of your system, I then just take three to five minutes just to wait. I'm like, okay, we're going to just wait now, God. We're gonna, I just want to hear what you have to say. It's amazing to me how many times the answers come for the problems that I face, for the problems that you face, when we're willing to just wait a little bit. We think that we need to rehearse our anxieties. We think that we need to rehearse our fears, that we need to tell God what he doesn't already know. He knows. He is so invested in your life and in your thoughts. He knows. That's why David said, renew in me a right spirit, God. Cleanse me, search me, know my, know my thoughts, know my heart. When we come to God with this, I got to tell you something, he's like, okay, bring it on. And then you tell him, and he goes, cool, I already knew that, but thanks for telling me. Now, do you want to know what I have to say? And what happens is a lot of times, we, we end our prayer before we even get to hear what God wants to say. We're like, all right, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Uh, would you please make my neighbor and my boss more nice? Amen. Okay, see ya. God's like, oh, this is a one-sided conversation. I, I didn't realize that. What he's inviting us to is a two-sided conversation where we can speak, where we can tell them what's going on in our life. Nothing wrong with that, okay? But where we can also listen and hear truth from the Father. Listen to what the psalmist says about it 
in Psalm 85, verse eight. He says this, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. I love that. Maybe we don't have peace because we haven't allowed him to speak peace and we're so busy to rush to the next moment and we treat prayer like it's something we need to check off of our list and we treat reading our word like it's something we need to check off our list. I'll be honest, I'm not the best morning reader, but I'm a great night reader. And I'm not always the best at like waking up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to like just sing and praise God with all my heart. But you know what? Find a time that works for you. Maybe you're a great afternoon person. God bless you afternooners. I am useless between the hours of one and four. If you don't get a text from me, it's because I'm useless during those hours. My brain just goes to mush, okay? But like six to midnight, woo-hoo-hoo! I'm telling you, I come alive in those hours, maybe even 2 a.m. That's my sweet spot. Anybody else feel me? How many morning people do we have in the room? Oh, wow, more than I thought there would be. So the key isn't you got to do your daily devotional at 8 a.m. The key is find what works for you because we're all wired differently and we all have different responsibilities and things we're juggling. I know first and foremost in the morning, we got to get our kids to school. So that is a battle. <laughs> get them on time with their hair brushed, food in their bellies, with both socks on. I kid you not, Keaton, literally different socks every day. Like, can't you match them? You have to wear different. I mean, it's cool. I guess you start your own style, but that's a battle. So for me, like, okay, let's carve out peaceful, quiet time. No, it's not going to happen, okay? So find what works for you so that it doesn't just become a chore, okay? Time with God is not a chore. Time with the people we love is not a chore, Maybe you feel that way about your crazy uncle, but God's not your crazy uncle. You can hashtag that. Okay, God is not your crazy uncle. He is a loving father who absolutely wants to spend time with you and with me. And the Holy Spirit, as our truth guide, comes to lead us into those rhythms so that we're beginning to move to the rhythms of righteousness, like I said last week. Where now, all of a sudden, what was once a chore and difficult and hard becomes life-giving. I don't know about you guys, but the things that are life-giving to me, I look forward to. I love going on trips with my wife. I love going to restaurants, too. I'm not going to lie. I love food. I love to eat. Woo! Yeah! It's got some foodies in the back. And the things that I look forward to, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait. We're going to have that mm, that pad thai. It's going to be so delicious. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to get some sushi up in this place, get some, some rolls and some spicy tuna on there. Oh my goodness gracious. You guys are getting hungry, aren't you? All right, the things I love, I look forward to is the point I'm trying to make. And for many of us, we need to fall in love with God. We need to fall in love with his word. We need to fall in love with the Holy Spirit and his voice in our life. And we do that by first reading truth and number two, listening for truth. He guides us into all truth. And I love this. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. And he will declare to you things that are to come. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth, and he declares to us things that are to come. The Holy Spirit wants to fulfill a prophetic role in your life. He wants to show you how to live today with the knowledge of things that are coming tomorrow. That's amazing. He will speak to you and show you and declare to you things that are to come meaning he'll give you wisdom for decisions you haven't even made yet, meaning he'll give you counsel and clarity on things that you're facing. He'll give you insight as to what's really going on, maybe in the life of that person that's giving you such a hard time. He will help you and lead you into all truth and speak to you things that are to come. I think that's amazing. There's nobody else on the planet that can go through life with that kind of revelation and insight and wisdom, and knowledge. I don't care if you're the smartest guy, and you've got a thousand PhDs, all right? You cannot predict the future. You might come close. <laughs> you might even, every once in a while, coincidentally bump into it, but to consistently, ever-presently, be able to declare things that are to come, things that are true and not false, that's something only God can do, and we need, we need that in our life church. We need that. We need the, the help of our Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth, to show us things that are come. That's what 
yielding to the life of the Spirit does. It opens us up to hear from God. God, would you help me today? I know that there's decisions that need to be made. I need your wisdom. And he goes, I'm gonna give you wisdom. Holy Spirit, I don't know which decision to make. I could go A and my life could go this way. I could, go, I could make decision B and go this way. Which, one, which route do I take? We need the Holy Spirit's guidance. And he's our truth guide. He wants to guide us. So we listen for truth. We read truth. And number three today, we speak truth. One of the primary ways that we enter into truth is by speaking it. And speaking the truth allows us to become aligned with truth. Even when what we see in our lives is contrary. Even when our circumstances say otherwise. It's the Holy Spirit that wants to help us identify with what is true by helping us to speak what is true. We call this the act of confession. Okay, when we confess something that is true, we're becoming aligned with it. We're coming under its influence and its power and its authority. We're allowing it to have rulership over us. Pastor Jason, are you saying you believe in the power of positive thinking? Yes, but even more than that, I believe in the power of positive speaking. When you begin to speak truth, when you begin to confess truth, you become aligned with it. It now has authority in your life. No matter what your circumstances say, no matter what the storms of life are up to, no matter how big the giants are that you face, no matter what lies have been spoken over you, when you begin to speak truth, you become aligned with God's will for your life. You begin to walk in the rhythms of righteousness. You begin to know who you are and whose you are. And then you begin to declare truth. You become an agent of truth. Proverbs 18 verse 21 illustrates this. It says this, death and life are in the power of your tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Man, I love that verse. How and what we use our mouth and our voice for is everything. We can choose to bless, we can choose to curse, we can choose to speak life, or we could choose to speak death. We've been given that ability, that power by God, by the very nature of our own tongue. Many of us were confessing all the wrong things about ourselves, and then as a result, we're believing all the wrong things about ourselves, and then we wonder why we're experiencing all the wrong things. When in reality, we're invited to align our mouth with what the word of God says about us first and foremost, so that we can begin to think the way God thinks about us, so that we can begin to speak the way God speaks about us. Now, I'm not saying everything that happens to you in your life is because of you and your mouth. I am saying that how you respond to what happens to you is up to you. It's your choice. In other words, what you do with your mouth by what you confess and align with is everything. To those who reject this truth, here's what Jesus would say in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires to carry out his schemes. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When the devil lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. The devil is a liar and the father of all lies. And I asked this question playfully on Facebook this week. So if the devil is the father, who's the mother? And you want the shorthand? Your mind, if you believe his lies. If you receive his seed into the womb of your mind, you will eventually bear forth the fruit of it in your life. Whoo! Some of your ladies are like, whoo, man, I've been pregnant. <laughs> if you believe the liar, if you allow him to sow his seeds into your life, and you receive those, and you come into alignment with those, and you come into agreement with those, you will bear forth his seed. You will give birth to the devil's lies. 
If you believe the lies, you empower the liar. But if you and I, people of the truth, believe the truth, we empower the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth wants to operate in our lives through what we say, through what we hear, through what we listen for, through what we read, through what we confess, through what we align with. That's why it's so important that we recognize what we're speaking over ourselves. Some of you need to stop saying, I'm just so stupid. Some of you need to stop saying, oh, I'm just such an idiot. Some of you need to stop saying, oh, I'm just a sinner. Some of you need to stop with the denigration of yourself. Jesus saw you as worth pursuing, that he was willing to go to the cross for you. You are worthy to God. You are worth something. Don't buy into that, I'm just an unworthy peasant, just scraping the earth, just groveling at the feet of my master. Don't buy into that. You know why? Because you are precious in his sight. The Bible says you're actually his handiwork. You're a masterpiece. That's what Ephesians says. You're a masterpiece. You're hand created by God. So don't have this lowly view of yourself. God doesn't. He sees you as his righteousness. He sees you as a son and a daughter. And you know what he does with sons and daughters? He clothes them with the best robes and the best sandals and the best ring. And he goes and he slays the fattest calf and he throws parties in your honor. Do you think the prodigal son deserved a big party? Probably not. Not after him. He literally took his father's inheritance and he spoiled it all. He wasted it all. And the father said, we're going to party still. He says, come on back. Come on in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create the best party you've ever seen for you. That's how good God is, guys. And if I could just shake us free from this guilt and condemnation and sin consciousness long enough to just get a glimpse of how God actually sees us, I would. And here's what I think. The word of God, his righteous standard, I have it on an iPad. You might have it on a Bible, okay? He holds it up to you like a mirror. He says, this is who you really are, Matt. This is who you really are, Taylor. This is who you really are, Jake. This is really who you really are, John. This is who you are. So my question is, which mirror are we looking into? What mirror are we looking into? Are we looking into the mirror of the father of lies? When I look into the mirror of the father of lies, he tells me how, how ugly I am and how stupid I am and how much of a failure I am and how the church is never going to make it and how I, I hear all of his lies. I hear them all. And I start looking in that mirror and I'm trying to, maybe, maybe I really do look that way. Maybe people don't really like me. Maybe, maybe, and what we do is we look into that mirror when what reality is we're, we're called to look into the mirror of God's word. You're righteous. You're chosen. You're loved. You're ransomed. You're free. You're purchased. You're forgiven once and for all, for all eternity. I think this is also why Paul placed such a strong emphasis upon how we use our mouths when we gather. When we come together, what I love about our time on Sundays and, and particularly the time where we get to spend time with each other in between the worship and the message is that we get to just speak life over each other. Man, you look good today. Chris, you look, you look amazing today, bro. You're looking good. How are you feeling? You good? I just speak life over you and Tiffany today. I know you guys have been walking through some tough stuff, so I just prophesy life over you. And I prophesy healing over your life and over Tiffany's life. That thing is not going to own you. That's not your future. Amen? And you get those opportunities. You look into people's eyes and you connect and you see. You see somebody that God loves, somebody that Jesus gave his life for. Why then would I go back to coming into alignment or confessing anything else? I think it's because we're not careful. Because we're, we allow the influence of the world to influence us rather than the truth. And that is why we need the Holy Spirit to be our truth guide to lead us and guide us in all truth, not just some, but all truth. That's why we need to read truth. That's why we need to hear truth. And it's why we need to speak truth. This is what Paul says. Paul would encourage the church to prioritize using their mouth to prophesy. And to prophesy, it sounds like a scary word, but all it really means is to encourage and edify, to build up. 
with the act of confessing something. And he would, he would actually prioritize this for the church when they gathered. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. But he goes on to say in the very next verse, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, listen, I love speaking in tongues. I love praying in the Spirit. I do it almost every day. But when we come together to gather, I know that my mouth and my tongue and what I use my voice for should be to encourage and edify and instruct and uplift. Why? Because God knows that when you hear the sound of my voice, that you will receive either truth or lies about you. And if I can speak truth to you, if we could speak truth to you through the words that we sing, I don't, I don't want to lead any song that is in alignment with what God's word says about us and about who he is. If we could just take five minutes out of every day to just speak truth and prophesy life over our, our kids and our families and our valley and our city, I believe we would see the change happen that we are all here crying out for. Amen? And that's what Paul wanted for the church, and that's what I want for the church. Here's the point. God wants us to use our mouths to speak truth, not just over our own lives, but to others. To speak it to others. And how can we speak the truth to others if we don't know it? If we don't know it ourselves, that's why we need to read it. That's why we need to listen. And that's why we need to speak it. And to do this well, I think we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So let him guide, let him guide you. Let him direct you. A great prayer to pray when you get up in the morning is not just come Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit, come <laughs> and guide me and show me what you want me to know and help me to align my mouth with words that are gonna speak life over folks. They're gonna speak life over my dreams and over my destiny, over the things that I desire to, to be, over the things that maybe are, I'm struggling with. Don't empower your struggle. Empower the one who overcomes. Empower the spirit of truth in your life by coming into alignment with his words and allow those words to wash over you and to transform you from the inside out. Can we pray? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.